We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And in the last podcast, we talked about the difficulties of properly weighing how much the injuries matter so that we can avoid the pitfalls of blaming too much on the injuries, but also not enough on them. And I thought Darius really struck at the core of how to do that in the last show by saying it's through individual player evaluations. We know more about every guy that's on the team relative to to what we did at the beginning of the season. And that's not true for anyone more than the new guys. And so with that in mind, we're going to start with Dennis Schroeder. And Mike, you always talk about the value of big guards. We were talking about this with Donovan Mitchell or just big players, bigger wings that at some point, if you're 6'1 or 6'3", there is a limit for how much you can impact the game, no matter how good you are. And there's a lot of truth to that. I think that's also true with not the superstars, not the Donovan Mitchells, the guys that are asked to carry a team, but even in role players, the playoffs can be a, a really tough place for a guy who's 6'2", 6'1", Dennis Schroeder's size. And to overcome that, I think that you need a certain brand of nastiness and you have to bring speed, which he has in, in you know, he has an, an abundance of. And all all of these things you have to be able to bring to overcome that. And he's a guy that I have the most sour taste in my mouth over from from this season and that I'm the most like, I believed in you and you let me down type of feeling, right? And that's never, that's a place where I can go too far in the other direction, right? Whenever we feel that way, like, oh, I believe this guy could do it and he didn't come through. And so I, I'm trying to fight against my instinct to be like, ah, Dennis Schroeder, you know what I mean? And so... Talk to me about where you come from. You were always a little, uh, you weren't as high on him when we started the season. And a lot of your concerns ended up bearing out in the Phoenix series at the very least. But there is a great deal of context with AD's injury and all of that. So I'd love to hear your perspective and maybe pull me out of a little uh, bit of my funk on him. Well, I, I think that when we talk about players between the three of us, I don't know if people will be surprised or not to hear this, but I think we have a, we generally are going to agree. And so what, what ends up happening is 
I'll like what you just said to start it off. The fact that okay, he, you were a little bit more down on him. I think I instinctively then will will think of okay, it, boom. I'm actually gonna go. It's not so much the other way, but I think that since you're close enough, I think you could be persuaded over to lightening up a little bit on him. Uh, and to me, it's all based around. Well, it's mostly based around the health and safety stuff. Um, and that, to me, was where his season really turned. And I think that had we just gone back and listened to a podcast about Shooter that the, the three of us recorded in February, it would have been pretty damn positive. And it would have been about how much he was hawking the ball on defense, um, how much he was competing. How the uh, This, of course, was epitomized by the play, which one of you, I think, selected as your favorite one of the year, the, the diving full out, right? For the ball and like the real the the get the 300 level on their feet type play uh that we of yeah. course didn't get to witness this much pete and, and i know that those kind of things i know really uh those hit real laker fans hard because that, that that's kind of part of of what the team has been about over the years on top of the stars is making the those kind of plays so and my thing with Schroeder in his size is that the size element can be made up for it, as long as you're not the primary option and, and ideally not the second option on offense where you have to be a guy that's going like, I need you to create a shot against a loaded defense. I don't want that it, generally. And that that even extends to the greatest players ever at that height, like you know, a Chris Paul or, you know, Allen Iverson's a little bit different, right? Uh, because of his just insane level of athleticism at that height. But like that, that to me is the one thing. So if Shooter is properly in Darius Parlance slotted, um, as the weak side guy that can attack a closeout or shoot a wide open like Rondo three, then great. But if you got to go to him in a playoff series when you when you don't have either LeBron or AD and the defense can load up, uh, that's not going to be great because Aiden can take away the rim in the case of Phoenix and they can pressure him. So the situation that he found himself in to me in the postseason, just in terms of the stars being out, that was one part of it that was an issue. And then the second part of it was just that he didn't look like himself from a full uh, uh, in shape slash wind, all that kind of stuff. And that's what makes him special is that he can play a certain way with the pedal down all the way for 40 minutes a game. And he wasn't able to quite do that um, after he came back and had the two regular season games and then game one started. So for all of those reasons, I Pete have found myself now almost wanting needing to defend what shooter season was as opposed to um, our last day, our last memory of what it looked like in the play in the playoff series. And I'm curious where both of you stand on that. So here's the thing with Dennis. I think Dennis is a good NBA player. He is a good NBA player. And he's a starting level player. The Lakers need good NBA players. They need good starting level players. What they also need are players who are going to be effective in the playoffs. And so, Pete, one of the things that I sort of, you pivoted very quickly to what you need to succeed at that size is a certain amount of, like, nastiness. And, and like, you went to, like, sort of physical and and sort of, like, mental, like, approach, right? And I skew in the other direction a little bit. To me, if you're going to succeed at that height in the NBA, you you definitely need the right mental approach. You also need a certain amount of physical skills in other areas that can compensate for your lack of size. 
right? Whether that's athleticism in the form of speed or leaping ability or like physical, other physical attributes like length. And, and Dennis has a lot of that stuff. For me, though, what I want are high skill level and decision making, right? Because to operate at that size, you yeah. need a certain amount of craft and ability to say, you know what? These dudes are bigger than me. So I need to outthink them because at some point your physical limitations are going to show up if you do not have the skill to back them in order to prop up that physical ability even more. Steph is bigger than Dennis Schroeder. And Steph is the ultimate outlier within this conversation because of just how great of a player he is. But I've always said that Steph's shooting ability and, and his skill work, his, his, his handle, it enhances his quickness. It enhances his sort of short area burst. Whatever physical attributes he has are propped up even higher because of the incredible skill level that he plays with. And Dennis... Can, D, can I jump in with one quick point on Steph? Please. So, so Steph is 6'3", and to me, that that two inches between him and a 6'1 guy, like John Stockton was 6'1", um, Steve Nash, right? Like, actually, like maybe a, a little bit taller, but the guys that can actually execute that, to have those two inches, Darius, to me, makes like does make all the difference in the world between Dennis or even a guy that's Stockton's height that compensates with all the stuff you just said, all that stuff that Stockton had. Well, Chris Paul is about Dennis's size. Chris Paul, same thing. Chris Paul has all of the, he's the other guy, right? That has he all is, of those compensatory right. skills and, and, and mental and all of it. And Chris Paul also too, like he's physically a different type of player. He is not as explosive as Dennis, but he's got more in his back pocket. So he's a stronger, like he is a stronger, more physical player. And last year's version of Rondo was sort of like that as well. Like he's he's a bit more just sturdy, even though Rondo earlier in his career was a bit more like Dennis, right? But it's hard to compare those those eras because Rondo came up in a different era where different things were valued. And it's one of the reasons why over the last four to five years, Rondo's value plummeted to a certain extent. It, it was because he was viewed as a guy whose skill set did not evolve as the NBA changed around him. And the interesting thing is with, with Dennis, and Pete, you can you can answer this or or we can get to this a little bit lay, later, is that like one of the reasons why we were high on Dennis, at least I was, was that there seemed to be real growth in his game from OKC. Like he had sort of an outlier shooting years, right? Like his three-point shoe shooting was better. His overall offensive efficiency was better better he shot better from from two like i'm looking at his stats right now in the 2019-20 season in in okc he shot 38.5 percent from from three he made 51.3 percent of his two-point shots right this year with with the lakers he was back down to 33.5 percent from three and 47.6% on on his two point shots. Those last two numbers with with the Lakers, those are right in line with his career averages, 
Like they're exact, they're almost right to the 10th of a percentage point. They're like right there. And so I wouldn't even necessarily say Dennis Schroeder had a bad year. He had a worse year than the, than the year before, which I think impacted the player that like impacted our thought process on the player, at least for me, that I thought the Lakers were, were getting. I thought we were getting a player more on the Ascension and it, and he sort of reverted back to some of the career norms that makes him a good NBA player, but not someone who I felt like was a true difference maker and and slotting can account for some, some of that, but it doesn't account for all of it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so part of it is just a difference in offense in OKC. You had Chris Paul, SGA, and Dennis. And so that offense was very much built around ball screens. You have somebody on the court, usually two guys on the court at any given time. We're seeing the value of that in Phoenix right now that can run a pick and roll at a high level, one on one side of the court and one on the other. And that was the nature of how the offense was built. When you come to the Lakers, the offense is built around the skill sets of LeBron and AD. And of course, LeBron can run ball screens, but they're going to be able to go under LeBron on, on LeBron or be in a drop against LeBron. And if they give up a pull-up 16-footer to him, that's the best case scenario in that. And the same thing is going to be true with Dennis, right? Then you've got AD down in the post where the nature of the offenses account for a certain degree of that. That said, do you still have those numbers pulled up, D? What were if you do, what uh what did he shoot in the playoffs in that series against Houston? So last year. Yeah. Seven playoff games, field goal percentage overall, 40.4, three point percentage, 28.9, two point percentage, 48.4. And on threes, 28.9% again, but on 6.4 attempts per game. The volume of his overall shot profile was skewed way more towards three-pointers than what it had been during the regular season, where it was clearly a weapon for him, but Houston was playing him more like, you're gonna, you're not going to get into the lane. And he compensated by shooting more threes. So let's zoom out from the numbers, right? So we see this increase in three-point attempts, sub-30% three-point shooter. It's been really interesting being back in the playoffs these last two years. I've learned so much more about basketball in the 10 years since the last time we won a championship, right, between 2010 and 2020, that these last couple of years have really solidified to me that the playoffs are real and in a lot of ways the regular season is not. And the playoffs is very revealing. Zoom out onto the court. One of the reasons that Dennis struggled in this series is because it takes him a very long time to shoot his jump shot. When he's open and he has that time to get into his stance, he has a a counterclockwise twist where his you know front foot will turn. He'll he'll turn that way as he shoots, and he has a, a low release point, and he'll make it when he's got the time. He shoots that relatively well. But the playoffs, Mike, there aren't a lot of situations where you have that much time to do that. And I thought he really struggled against DeAndre Ayton, for example, closing out to the point where he was one of the guys that was passing up shots that even that's not reflected when we look on basketball reference at what a guy shot in a series or over the season. But that can really be a record scratch for a lot of offensive possessions. And so for me, 
going back to Darius's point about like you can be six one, but you need to have a certain skill set and a certain decision making component if you're going to be that. Along with the the nastiness that I was talking about, that mentality, and so that's my concern going forward with Dennis in the playoffs is. That's his form on his jumper, Mike. He's not going to be a quick release guy at any point soon. So can he thrive in the playoffs as a third guy with such a slow load on his jumper? So part of that made me think of Rondo because that's his whole thing. And he the difference between Rondo, though, and Schroeder is that Rondo isn't thought at this point of his career and really ever to be as much of a threat to just put the ball on the floor and go to the basket, even though he can do it. And he could finish it. And so Rondo would would score. All of a sudden, he'd have 12 points in certain games because defenses, especially when LeBron and AD are on the court, they're not going to even get out to him from three. And that's not the same exact thing with Shooter. So Shooter was getting at least some respect on closeouts. and But at the same time, they were always going to be playing Shooter to drive. So I just think that he, like he was getting more attention paid to him. What he has to figure out then is, is how to get, how to move the ball back around and get it somewhere else, maybe, um, as opposed to just like just having to feel like he's got to go uh, and and make a play um, in that specific context. That's that's the one thought I had. And then to introduce this, a, a, a sort of tangential thought to this, and it all has to do with LeBron. If you're just asked to be a role player around LeBron, you're going to look great. It, like Caruso is such a good example of this. KCP, um, get open from three. Cut back door, but you're not the expectations aren't that you're going to have to do a lot more. If you are Kyle Kuzma in 1920 or a shooter last year, and you're sort of expected to be more than a role player, but AD is also there, who's that second star? I just think that takes some time to figure out. That takes some time. And shooter was clearly, especially when he came back from his two absences, he was trying to figure out, figure all that stuff out. And then in the playoff context, I thought he was especially uh, a little bit unsure of when to attack and when to shoot. And it just it just wasn't that clear. So I the optimistic part of me and I I know that you can make counter arguments to this. If he has this, if he comes back and he's got this offseason now to think about all these things and to really come to grips with what exactly he should be doing around a team with LeBron and A.D., and then also he has all this fire, which which we heard in his exit interview, like he is desperate now uh, to erase this. Like he he really sold the I'm going to get better. Uh, I basically like I promise like you guys will see. And I just I just love that in general. I love a guy that's willing to say that. And and I believe it because I've seen his work ethic and I've seen. So I'm kind of that's again, it's it's I've come around some from just watching how things played out in X's and O's wise to being pretty interested in how Shooter comes back from this. And and, uh, so, yeah, please take that wherever you want to. Mike, I want to reinforce your point about how different a guy will look when even in the playoffs, again, if the playoffs are the place where the truth is told, how different a guy will look when asked to be a role player alongside LeBron versus the second guy. In the first three games of this series, the ones where Anthony Davis played, he was and played the full game. He was 19 of 34 from the field. So he shot 56% from the field in 
Game one, 14 points, had 24 in game two on eight of 16 shooting, 20 in game three, is six of six of 11 from the field. I didn't love his defense in those games, but to your point on the now, offensive yeah, end. Yeah, the defense, I think, was the energy thing, was the legs thing, was the only playing two regular season games thing. And and I think that there's there's validity to that, right? Like when you were making that argument, I was like, okay, that's that's a valid point. And if he is, and I think this under this underscores the team in general. His exit interview that you were talking about, where he was like, "No, I want to come back, and I want to, I want to show y'all, I want to do it." And now you have to show it, right? But just that underlying mentality of a sense of purpose and a sense of mission was missing from this team in large part because of how the last mission went and how quickly we had to turn around to go on the next one. And so having guys like that for me, Darius, that are like really focused and locked in and were productive when they were in their appropriate role, as opposed to the last three games of the series, eight points on three of 13, zero points on O of nine. And then he had 20 in that last game where he really showed signs of life in, in the second half of that. There, there is, I think a valid and convincing optimistic argument regarding Dennis Schroeder's place alongside LeBron and AD. It's just that things fell apart when he wasn't. Sure. <laughs> I mean, look, again, I don't want to belabor the point. Dennis Schroeder's a good NBA player. He's like what crystallized for me after a year of watch, watching him is that he's not necessarily my type of NBA player. Yeah. Right? And, and, and so this comes back to like personal preference sort, sort of thing. It doesn't mean I think he's bad. It doesn't mean that I think that he can't be a valued contributor on a winning team or even a championship team, right? Like, like because his, the, the skill set he does possess is super useful. And, and all of the stuff that we talked about him or that we said about him over the course of the season, all of those positive attributes and, and, and podcast comments and articles written and radio hits and sideline interviews and, and all the calm commentary, all that stuff's real. It's all true. Like we didn't make it up and, and, and pull it out of thin air. I love him attacking second side. I love him getting down downhill as, as a scorer. I love the fact that when teams try to switch, right, that he can totally abuse like probably 90% of the big men in in the league as as a driver and the intricacies of his game I appreciate and grew to appreciate some of that stuff my concerns around Dennis crystallized though towards the end of the season I I would say in the second half of the season where it came to more possession to possession decision making and I thought he skews he still skews a little bit more towards I need to be looking for mine in order to help someone else rather than I'm and maybe this is a fine line and, and I don't want you to have to explain my my point, Pete, but but I'd love for you to talk about some because of like the decision tree stuff that that you've discussed in the past. To me, there is a line where no, 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 no. 
I'm actually moving the pieces around the board and I'm attacking here for the specific reason of doing something for somebody else. And there's a line there. And I feel like Dennis consistently operates on one side of that line and not enough on the other side of that line. And it plays out in the decision-making, possession to possession to possession. And when it's not working for him, as an individual scorer for himself, his game starts to fall apart in ways that are problematic to me, where he does not have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D that some of the more nuanced thinkers of the game can fall back on. He's like a two-pitch pitcher. And it's just like, okay, well, if you're dominant physically, if you're Randy Johnson, sure, fastball slider, beat it. Right. Like, but if you're Greg Maddox, like, no, you need. These are excellent Major League Baseball pitchers, mostly in the 1990s. So the start of their career in the 80s. Uh, Randy Johnson was like 6'10", <laughs> incredibly, incredibly intimidating. Uh, but these are I don't know if I had to explain these references, Darius, but I know we probably have like there are probably some dude that's like 15 and so just and Greg Maddox, much more of a control pitcher, um, super smart, knew everything, knew where he was going to place the ball. Uh, anyway, yeah, proceed. Man, that's all 15 plus years ago. We have to explain all of Darius's references, including <laughs> Greg Maddox and Randy Johnson. That's how old we are now. We have to come to grips with that. Well, There's there somebody who's who can legally drink who's listening to this podcast who has no idea who those who never are. saw. No, who, who never saw who those guys even play? People they are. were no. six when they retired. Google Google Randy Johnson bird though. Bird. Uh, that, oh yeah, that's you'll enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. But RIP, RIP, RIP. Let's, let's take a quick break. Let's take a quick break. <laughs> when we come back, I'd like to keep talking about, about Dennis when we come back on the other side of the break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Mike, so Darius makes some – I like that two-pitch pitcher analogy with Dennis. If he's that third guy and properly slotted alongside LeBron and AD, can you be a two-pitch pitcher at 6-1? I've got some thoughts on that, but can you be that third guy with Dennis's game in particular? Yes and no. Uh, there, This all comes down to – I think what we're getting at eventually, right? Like what's the reason we're having all these discussions? Okay. Well, do they bring shooter back next year? And what is the cost benefit analysis of that? What is the market price going to be? And I, I, what is the alternative 
if they don't bring a player in because all what Darius was just talking about, I'll tell you what, you're not going to get a, a four pitch or a multiple tool. If you want to go to a different sport, you're not going to get somebody that's just out there for what the money is that the Lakers can sign somebody for. They can do all of those things better. And it's, and so that's the issue when you get to a point, when you have a veteran team, especially when you have two max players that a lot of teams are running into. And that's why the mid-level exception is sometimes the one thing that you can use. And the Lakers, of course, last year used that on Trez. But for the point guard spot or even just the lead ball handler spot or the creator, that price goes up because those guys are – that is probably the most important skill still. Um, I think the most impl- – we, t- we talked about this a little bit last pod with Mitchell. Like the most important thing, Pete's not wrong at all, uh, being able to get and hit a shot late – but the most important player archetype in NBA history is the guy that can play both ends and dominate, all right, and uh, and get you on defense, get you on offense, LeBron and Kobe and Jordan and so on, and Durant and Kawhi. So where does Dennis fall within all of that context? I think that what he does, what he can do on the basketball court is probably better than what is replaceable. Uh, and and even if the money ends up being, uh, being more than – you know, what somebody might want to pay when you already have two stars that I just, I don't see necessarily a way around it. And I also, I just think that Dennis Schroeder is a better player than what we saw later in the season. I think he will be a better player next year. And if I, if I just have to bet on like you, you have to have LeBron and AD healthy to win something, but what do I want around LeBron specifically? I want somebody that's always going to defend um, and that can at least get his own shot, even if it d- didn't look that way against Phoenix in that specific matchup with Aiton and their guards. You know, I still think that that player can fit well enough next to LeBron. Uh, and by the way, this brings in Alex Caruso, because certain times then I'd be fine with LeBron just playing point guard and then Caruso can come in and he can do all the stuff that Darius was talking about. Um, when to cut at the right time, when to screen at the right time. So, yeah, that that's a lot there, Pete. Uh, but I, I do think that it is that he is capable of being what they need. Yeah, I I think so too. I want to go back real quick to Darius's point about the decision tree and you were asking me about that of 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 Dennis's decision making. So much of his game is built around driving to the basket. And when you drive to the basket, I'm I'm working on some longer term videos and projects built around the drive and kick game. When a player drives to the basket, every other player on the court has a responsibility that is triggered based on where that guy is driving to the basket from and which direction. So a lot of times when Dennis drives to the basket on our team, he's doing it from the wing. And if if you don't know what the wing is, imagine the free throw line went all the way out to the sidelines. So it's free throw line or, or at that same horizontal plane behind the three point line is about where Dennis will start his attacks. And a lot of times he will drive baseline. And when you drive baseline, when we have somebody in the dunker spot, say Andre Drummond, he's going to be in that weak side dunker spot. So on the other side of the court from where Dennis is, and his job is to do what's called teeing up. There are a few different terms for this. That's just the term that I know. And that means you go from the dunker spot to right in front of the basket, where the restricted circle is, right in front of the basket. And what that does is, and then the weak side corner, depending on how your spacing is, you want somebody in that weak side corner. And those are the two primary passes, passing angles that you want to give a player that's driving to the basket from the wing, but racking baseline. And so 
this is a, a place where Dennis does not Dennis's decision making in these situations is below average for a player his size. You know that, and I know that. He, he is also tremendously hurt by the lack of cohesion, and that specific scenario that I just described is an example of that. Is when you have two new players that have not played with the, each other barely at all, when the timing on that tee up by Drummond or several of our other players because of again the lack of you know guys playing with each other there's a timing to that where when phoenix does that when devin booker is racking baseline from the wing deandre ayton has done that hundreds if not thousands of times over the course of the season he knows booker's tendencies he knows when he's going to do it he knows the pace that he's going to do it at and can settle into that passing window that's naturally created that's why you have a guy tee up from that spot in a way that maximizes the open spacing I, I think Dennis is pretty good at that dump off pass. He's okay at that skip pass to the corner. That's the reason why you have him rack baseline is because he can go full speed ahead. And instead of running out of bounds the way that he would if he started that drive from the top of the key, he can dribble through and make that pass to the corner or if they rotate there out to the wing. So I am the question for me, D, is does that make up for enough of Dennis's? deficiencies in that area by getting the receivers open better as a function of guys playing with each other and being familiar with each other. So now I'm going to go back to yes and no, right? Because I think that what you start to do and what you start to need a little bit more of are guys who are, who possess certain skill sets on their own and certain traits on their own in order to continue to optimize Dennis. Right. And so, for example, Trez, Trez is a player who has the gifts, the gift of feel of movement around the basket. Trez naturally, Pete, tees up the way that you said he naturally circles baseline when he's Mm -hmm. supposed to circle baseline. He naturally flashes and opens up in ways to make himself available in in passing windows. One of the best in the league at all of those things. He is just great at that. And so it's one of the reasons why Trez has such great chemistry with so many players who also have that same feel for showing that window, right? It's like, like for all of Lou Williams' faults, Mike, one of the things that Lou Williams does really well is when he's up in the air, he can decide. Am I shooting or am I passing? And do I have a sliver here? Is my guy opening up? So he had great feel with Trez. Usually shooting. (laughs) Mike can't give Lou no love. (laughs) Usually shooting, but Mike's right. Usually shooting. But it's the threat of that shot, too, that makes it so that when he does dump off, that guy is open. But if you have a guy with less feel than Trez, I guarantee a couple of those passes go off a dude's back or hit him in the shoulder. Well, hands too, right? Trez has great hands. That might hit somebody's ankles or knees if that dump off pass is is a little bit off. So now I'm going to contrast that with Andre Drummond. Drummond has less feel than Trez does for those movement things around the basket on how how and when to open up, when to circle and when to plant when to open up 
And, and it's that complicates building that chemistry that you're talking about, Pete. It doesn't make it impossible, right? Because with more reps and more reps and more reps, you do start to find that synergy that, that exists. My question is, is that, is Dennis a role player or is he 2A? Because LeBron and AD are, are 1As, 1B, right? They're both number one guys. One of the reasons why I had commented about Dennis's skill set as being like not my cup of tea per se is more centered around the decision making stuff. But for me, it's also, Mike, you mentioned that one of the key things you want around LeBron is someone who can go and create their own shot. And I definitely think that that's, that that's true. The other thing you really want is shooting. You really want shooting. And shooting can enhance the ability to create your own shot because guys are closing out on you. And most guard-sized players have enough of a guard skill set that they can attack a closeout. And once you get into that decision tree area, you can then, okay, well, I'm a good shooter. This 18-footer is fine for me. Or I've got a floater in my game. But that's enhanced by the fact that guys have to close out on you. And 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 so what I'd really love from Dennis is like, hey, where'd that 38.5 from three go? Right? Because that's that's the skill that is going to the, the trust in his jumper is what's going to enhance the rest of his game. And if he loses trust in that, then he's a player that suddenly becomes like suspect in a variety of ways. It doesn't make him bad by any means, but it makes it harder for him to fit into a lineup that is going to win a championship. Let me let me try a certain analogy here to build off that, Darius. So if there's nothing more important in soccer uh, than just putting the ball in the back of the net, finding a way to score a goal. But <clears throat> and so I, I was a striker for the most part. Right. I was mostly a forward. I played some midfield. But if I've got a two on one uh, or even a two on oh in the keeper, I am always going to lay that ball off so that my teammate can put it in the net. Even if so, if we have an equal chance of scoring, say it's a two on zero, like I, I always want to make that play to encourage uh, team camaraderie, to encourage just sort of the. To me, that's kind of a right way to play. Even in soccer, again, where if you get the ball in the back of the net, it's much more important than even scoring in basketball, where that's going to happen more, more and more often. But I think there's a certain approach, <clears throat> and this gets into the shooter thing. There's a certain approach to basketball that some players have, where it's buckets are life. It's it's just Score Like, I have to fill the basketball. That's what I'm out here for. That's what I've been good at since I was a kid. That's what I got. That's the reason why I'm where I'm at. And the Lakers have had some of these players over the last couple of years, as every team does. Um, I think of Nick Young, uh, Swag Al, Swaggy B, one of my favorite people, by the way, I've ever covered. I think of Lou Will. I think of Jordan Clarkson. JC. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? That's how those guys play. And Schroeder is not that. Like, that's he is not just out there, um, I think, thinking – that scoring is the way um, I, I think that his I, I'd love to sit down with Dennis and talk to him a lot more about sort of the first time he was exposed to basketball. How much more was he playing soccer in Germany? Um, how much like what was the the concept of <clears throat> the coaching that he was taught? Like, how does he feel about the game? Because I, I do sometimes see s- different styles, even within a basketball game from Dennis. 
but I don't think he's just that pure kind of only out there to get a bucket. And that philosophically for me is important, especially when you're, when you're playing next to a LeBron James. And then, you know, Pete, at the same time, there was that, there was a part of the Lakers in the Phoenix series when everything broke down, where it seemed like they could have used somebody to just go and kind of fill the bucket up a little bit. But I don't think that's ultimately the team play and the, the, the way to play around LeBron and around AD and like that sort of mentality. And like where, where Dennis fits into that mindset to me is interesting and important, but I don't, I, maybe I'm, refer, I'm, I'm revealing more of my own biases there towards the way uh, to play the game and, you know, why there are certain things I identify with, with how Caruso is going to come in and play. But it's a, I just think it's an interesting way to think about what success is in the postseason. And, and, and by the way, defense, right? Nick Young, Lou Williams, Jordan Clarkson compared to Dennis. That's another, that's a big difference. Like Dennis is out there competing and he's trying to win. And I think when he's going to score, he's, he's thinking that that's the way that he can best use his talent. But I still think that there's progress to be made there. This is a fascinating conversation to me, and this won't be the last one that we have on Dennis. One of the things that I'm really interested in about this offseason for Dennis and beyond is I think there are a lot of different and valid arguments to be made for very different perspectives on players. And I don't I don't think anyone exemplifies that more than Dennis. So we will continue the conversation on him tomorrow. We're going to talk some general NBA, get caught up on the playoffs. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here's on the line. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Jack with his eighth block a lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two one. Miss it. Unbelievable. Right. Right. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.